0: feeling tonight exchange I love it hey I'm so pumped to be with you if we haven't met my name is Mark I get uh, the opportunity to help and be a part of the team here at the exchange help me just say welcome to everyone joining for the first time come on let's put our hands together so glad that you are here with us and uh, I'm excited that you're in the room because we kicked off a new collection last week Called, Is God Really in This? And today, uh, as we go into week two, I'm gonna continue in the Old Testament. And last week, I let you know that uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna go deeper. We're gonna go deeper. We're gonna be challenged to really lean into the scriptures. So if you have a Bible, if you got that thing on the phone called the Bible app, go ahead and open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we're gonna go ahead and crack this open. I love this passage of scripture. And I'm really excited to preach from it tonight. It says this in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. It says, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And Ziba replied, He said, At your service. And the king asked him, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness. And Ziba answered the king, he said, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Then the king asked him, he says, where is he? And Ziba responds, he says, he's at the house of Mekir, son of Emile, in Lodabar. So king, the king asked him uh, to bring him over from Lodabar, from the house of Mekir, son of Emile. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, The son of Saul came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth, he bowed down again and said, what is your servant, that you should notice a dead dog like me. Today, as we go into week two of this collection, I want to preach to you from this idea of moving on from Lodabar. Moving on from Lodabar. And as we look at this text today, if you weren't with us last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the message by way of podcast because I believe when we look at 2 Samuel, it's important we understand what took place in 1 Samuel. And last week, I preached... On the life of David, and here's what we know in 1 Samuel. We see this young man at the age of 15. He's anointed by God to be the king of Israel. But at this time, there was a man by the name of Saul. And Saul, he was serving as the king of Israel for many years. And finally, we get to this moment where God rejects Saul. God starts to reject Saul. God has made up his mind. It's time for a new king to step in and be installed as the king over Israel. And it's to be David. But how many of you know, before David is actually installed as king, he heads back to the pasture. He heads back to the pasture that he came from, where he would faithfully, for 15 years, serve as a shepherd. And what we learned from 1 Samuel, we learned that David, God was actually doing a great work in David from the pasture. You see, David, he was serving as the servant of his family. He was serving as the shepherd tending to the sheep. But God would be using the shepherding of David to prepare him for the shepherding of God's people. So as David is serving as the shepherd, by 15 years, we see where God starts to reject Saul. He gives him uh, anxiety and depression to overcome him. And finally, David, he's kind of installed to be Saul's right-hand man in his army. And as Saul, or excuse me, as David is Saul's right-hand man in the army, what we learn is many people started to fall in love with David. Many people started to love him. They started to respect him. And the scriptures say that David, his influence, his respect, it grew stronger and stronger. Meanwhile, Saul's grew weaker and weaker. And not long after that, what we learn is Saul, in the middle of a battle, he decides to take his own life. Not only Saul, but also his son, Jonathan. And Jonathan would be the best friend of David. So here we are in this moment in 2 Samuel. And David, he's now finally stepped into kingship over Israel. And it's the first time that the people of Israel would have peace. And I love this moment in 2 Samuel because it's customary for any new king that steps into office. It was seen as just for him to kill everyone that was attached to the previous king. So, King David, he had the authority, it would be seen as just for him, to kill everyone that was attached to the life of Saul. And in this moment, we see David do something so peculiar. David does something that's so interesting. He does something that's unheard. He comes onto the scene and he asks this question Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Is there anyone alive? From the house of Saul, the man that was trying to kill me, the man that was trying to hurt me, my enemy, is there anyone connected to him? Not that I can kill him, but I want to bless them. I don't want to hurt them. I want to help them. I want to show this person kindness. And in this moment, I love the response of Ziba. Ziba's there in the moment, and he responds in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. He says, there is still a son of Jonathan. And what we know about Jonathan, Jonathan was David's best friend, but he was also the son of Saul. And then Jonathan says, but this man, he is lame in both feet. And in this moment, the king asked, where is he? And Ziba would respond, the servant responds by saying, he's at the house of Makir, son of Emil in Lodabar. Everybody say Lodabar. I wanna talk to you about Lodabar today because not only is Lodabar a literal place that we hear about in the scriptures, Lodabar is a figurative place that some of you are trapped in. You see, Lodabar, it was a place that was known as Nothingville. No one would go to Lodabar. No one wanted to visit or live in Lodabar. But here's what we know. We know that there's this man who's been trapped in Lodabar. And today, Lodabar is not only a literal place, it's a figurative place. And when we look at Lodabar, it has several different meanings. And the first meaning when we look at Lodabar is the house of no bread, the place of no bread. Now I know many of you in the room know what it feels like to be thirsty, to be hungering after something. And all your life, you've been trying to find satisfaction in all of the things of the world, but at the end of the day, you feel empty. It's the place of no bread. This is Lodabar. It's the place of no bread. There is nothing there that could satisfy your soul. Some of you in the room today, you're turning to everything and everyone to satisfy the void in your heart. Some of you, you're turning to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're giving them everything you've got to satisfy the void in your heart. Some of you, you're turning to drugs. You're turning to alcohol. Some of you are turning to pornography. Some of you are sleeping around with people that you don't even know their name. And you're trying to satisfy the soul. You're trying to satisfy your broken soul. Some of us today need to understand we're in this place, the place of no bread. And what I love about this text in this moment, as we look at what's taking place, we learn quickly that David, David's from Bethlehem, and he's communicating to this man in Lodabar, the place of no bread. But how many of you know David, he's from Bethlehem, the house of bread. I want you to get this today. I don't want you to miss this. Because he's communicating to this man in Lodabar, the place of no bread, and he's saying, I want him to be brought to me, the place of bread. I wanna provide for him. I wanna give him a new position. I wanna give him a new purpose. I wanna give him a new passion. Bring him to the house of bread. Bring him to the house of bread. And some of you today, like I said, you've been trying to satisfy the void in your heart. Can I tell you, you will never satisfy the void in your heart until you end up in the place of bread not only in the place of bread, but till you meet the person of bread, the bread of life, and his name is Jesus. You'll never satisfy your soul. You'll never fill the void in your heart. Some of you, you're trapped in Lodabar, the place of no bread. Not only do we learn that Lodabar is the place of no bread, but we also learn Lodabar is called the pastureless place. It was the pastureless place. No growth, nothing was existing. There was nothing taking place in this land. It was nothing, it almost felt like life in reverse. No growth, no advancement, no momentum in this land. And in this moment, I just feel this in my spirit today. Some of you today, you feel like in your relationships, in your relationship with God, maybe in your job, in your career, maybe in your emotional health, maybe in your mental health, you're in the pastureless place, place of no growth. There's no momentum in my relationships. There's no momentum in my career. There's no momentum in my finances. I feel trapped in the pastureless place. I'm stuck, I'm trapped, I don't know how to move forward. Help me get out of this place. It's the pastureless place. Some of you today, you're feeling like this because not only have you been trying to satisfy your soul with the things of the world, but You've been focusing slowly on earthly relationships and missing out on a heavenly relationship. And there's always gonna be this void in your heart. You're always gonna feel like you're in this land of the pastureless place, not knowing how to move forward. Can I tell you how God told me he wants you to get out of the pastureless place tonight? You're breaking free of the pastureless place tonight. The pastureless place has no more hold over your life tonight time to get out of the pastureless place, the place of no growth, the place of no development. Some of us in the room tonight, because there's no momentum in our life, because there's no growth, because there seems to be no advancement, we just feel stuck. And after a while, when we feel stuck, we start to tell ourselves that we're no good, we're not worthy, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough. No one will ever accept me. No one will ever love me. No one will ever call me out. No one will ever serve me. No one will ever meet me and see me for who I am. And after a while you just keep playing negative self-talk all throughout your head and after a while you fall into this trap and you begin to question, is this all life could truly be about? Is this all my life will ever amount to? These are the questions that we ask when we're in the pastureless place. Not only do we learn that this place is called the pastureless place, we also hear Lodabar is the place of no communication. How many of you know it's one thing to suffer, but it's another thing to suffer in silence? It's one thing to suffer, it's one thing to hurt, but it's another thing when you're suffering in silence and you feel like you can't talk to anyone about what you're going through. You feel like you can't talk to anyone about the pain you're experiencing. No one can relate to your struggle, no one is struggling with the sin that you're struggling with. Therefore, I'm gonna suffer in silence. I'm going to continue to hold on to it. I'm going to continue to conceal it, and after a while, you begin to feel like you're all alone. Can I just tell you, that's exactly where the enemy wants you to believe. That's exactly what he wants you to believe, and some of you, you're living with this overwhelming sense of guilt and shame because maybe you made a mistake, or maybe it wasn't something you did, but something someone did to you. And you don't know how to talk about it to anyone. You don't know how to share it with anyone. You don't know how to confess the sin, you don't know how to find healing, you don't know how to find freedom from that thing. Maybe today someone wronged you, maybe someone hurt you, they lied to you, they backstabbed you, they shamed you, they violated you. And after a while you begin to feel like I can't talk to anyone about this. Can I tell you the reason you're silent is because silence is a symptom of shame. The reason why you're trapped and you feel like you can't talk to anyone is because silence is a symptom of shame, and so often in our lives, shame yells, but how many of you know hope whispers? How many of you know shame, it barks, it screams loud in your ear, but hope, it whispers. And I just, just wanna say it, how, how God spoke this to me, how God put this word in my heart tonight. Some of you, you've been struggling, you've been suffering in silence, and I'm here to tell you, tonight is the night that you break free. You don't have to suffer in silence anymore. You don't have to struggle in silence. Today is the day that you're breaking the chains. Today is the day that you find freedom. Today is the day that you get out of Lodabar. Are you trapped in Lodabar? Are you stuck in Lodabar? Are you in the pastureless place, the place of no bread? Are you in the place of no communication? And here we get to this moment in 2 Samuel 9 where the king, he asked the servant Ziba, is there anyone left in the house of Saul, to whom I can show God's kindness. I don't wanna curse them, I wanna help them. I don't wanna hurt them, I want to bless them. And in this moment, the servant responds and he says, yes, there is, there's a man in the name of Mephibosheth, a man by the name of Mephibosheth that's in Lodabar. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Say like you mean it. Speaking in tongues, we're close, Okay. Here we learn about this man by the name of Mephibosheth, and when you define Mephibosheth's name, Mephibosheth's name is translated to the word shame. So here we have the man of shame in the place of shame. Here we have the man who's plagued by his own shame, and he can't get out of the land of shame. And when I think about Mephibosheth, I don't want you to miss this. Some of you are asking the question, well, why was he ashamed? When we look in the text in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we learn why Mephibosheth was ashamed. It says this in 2 Samuel 4, 4. It says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was about five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan's, their death, they had died, both Saul and Jonathan died, and the news came back to Jezreel. His nurse had picked him up and fled when she heard the news. But as she hurried to leave, the man fell, the boy fell and he became disabled. And his name was Mephibosheth. I I don't want you to miss this tonight. I want you to get this in your heart because Mephibosheth, he was born into royalty. His grandfather was the king. He was born to be the future king. He was born to be a leader. He was born to inherit all of the wealth all of the riches, all of the possessions that were going to be passed down from generation to generation. But what we learn about this man is that at the age of five, something happened to him. At the age of five, he was, he was dropped. He was wounded. And when I look at this text, what we know is we have a grown man who is struggling, who is wounded and has yet to get past an issue that took place at the age of five. He's suffering. His whole identity is wrapped around his condition. He was dropped. He was hurt. He was in pain. He was in shame. And when I think about this story, I just feel this in my heart tonight. Because some of you, not only are you trapped in Lodabar, not only are you trapped in the pastureless place, not only are you in the place of no bread, but somebody dropped you. Somebody dropped you. Somebody wronged you. Somebody lied to you. Someone betrayed you. A father walked out on you. A boyfriend shamed you. He talked down to you. A person put their hands on you. You feel like you've been, you've been dropped. You don't know who to talk to. You feel like I just got to suffer in silence. I've been going this far. It happened to me 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't need to talk to anyone about it. I can just act like it didn't happen. And how many of you know after a while, day after day, it stays with you? After a while, it begins to suffocate you. After a while, it feels like you're trapped in those memories. I want to preach this with passion tonight, because even in my own life, I know I've been in Lodabar. Even in my own life, I know I feel like I've been trapped at times in my life. Even in my own life, I feel like I've been stuck. Even in my own life, I felt like I was the one suffering in Lodabar, but tonight I want to help you because I feel called to be Ziba tonight. The king wants to set you free tonight. Setting you free. You You don't have to suffer anymore. You don't have to stay trapped in Lodabar. You don't have to allow Lodabar to shape your identity. See, the thing about it is, if we stay in Lodabar long enough, It shapes our identity. How many of you know after a while, if you're suffering in silence, if you're not talking to anybody, if you're not finding healing, if you haven't found hope, after a while, whatever you did, whatever that was that took place in the past, you begin to see yourself through that lens in the mirror. I am my shame. I am my sin. I think about what Mephibosheth said in this moment. 2 Samuel 9, verse 5. Mephibosheth, as the king called him, he bowed down at the king's feet and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Like, what can I do for you, king? I can't do anything. I'm not worthy, king. I'm not even worthy to look at you face to face, king. Just take my life. I am nothing but a dead dog. This is who I am. This is my identity. Just wonder, are you feel like Mephibosheth tonight? Can't even look at yourself in the mirror. Can't even believe the truth that God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can't even believe the truth that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Can't believe the truth that God says through his word that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life, a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. This is my identity. I see myself as my sin. This is my identity. I see myself as the one who allowed something to happen to me. I've been dropped. I can't talk to anybody about it. It happened 15 years ago. This is just my reality. Shapes your identity. After a while, you just feel trapped. This is who I am. And I just wonder how many of us tonight are in this same place where all we can see is the bad. All we can see is the negative. All we can see is our embarrassment. All we can see is our disgrace. We can't see God's grace, but all we do is see our disgrace. All we can see is what we allowed to happen. All we can hear in our mind and replay is the negative words of our parents when we were a child. All we can hear in our mind is the people that told us you have no value, you have no worth, you are your sin, you are your mistakes. Just, I don't know, I'm just grateful the king, he he isn't worried about our behavior, that's why he sent his son to be our savior. I'm just grateful that he didn't die so I could just feel better about myself. No, he died to save my soul, to take me out of Lodabar. Aren't you grateful? You, You don't have to stay stuck with that identity of the past, what happened to you, what you did or who you did. You don't gotta be trapped by that, he gives you a new identity. I believe some of us, not only when we stay in Lodabar, have we allowed Lodabar to shape our identity. Some of us, we've allowed Lodabar to shape the way that we believe and interpret God sees us. If We've been in Lodabar long enough. Not only has your identity been affected, your theology has been affected. Your belief and your interpretation of how God views you Because after a while, it starts messing with your thoughts. It starts messing, and you start questioning, could God really love me? Could God really see past my disgrace? Could God really see past my mess up? Can I pastor you today? His grace overlooks your disgrace. His grace overlooks your mistake. His grace overlooks what you did in the past, what you did yesterday, what you did last night, what you did this morning. It overlooks it. And the good news is, despite what we've done, just like Mephibosheth, the king still knows where you are. He still knows where you are, and he's running after you. He's calling you out tonight. He's saying, I want you to come home. I want you to come to me. Would you talk to me? Would you surrender to me? I wanna meet you, I wanna seat you at my table. You're not your disgrace. You're not your mistake. His grace is meeting you tonight. And some of us, it might be so hard to believe. I remember as a kid, when I I would fall into sin and I would wake up the next day, I felt so much shame. But what I realized after a while, it wasn't shame. It was the Holy Spirit shaping me. He wasn't shaming me. He was shaping me. He was letting me know, Mark, I got more for you. Mark, you don't have to worry about your behavior. Focus on the Savior. And then when you do that, you will be able to run after me. I'm not shaming you, Mark. Mark, I'm shaping you. just want to help you tonight. I want you to feel this tonight because some of you today, you keep on walking in shame. You're going to leave this this room tonight. You're going to hear the message, but you're going to walk out those doors. You're going to let those same thoughts plague your mind. You're going to let that same negative, uh, negative narrative be the thing that controls your focus. He's not shaming you. He wants to shape you. He wants to free you from Lodabar. He wants you to get out of the pastureless place. He wants you to get out of the sin. He wants you to get out of it tonight. Someone say, There's grace. There's grace for you. There's grace. He's got grace for you tonight. And when we look at verse 7 of 2 Samuel chapter 9, David said to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness. For the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll show you kindness, Mephibosheth. I'm showing you kindness. You see, grace is kindness. And David, in this moment, he said to Mephibosheth, Don't be afraid. I want to show you kindness. I want to bless you. I want to help you. The thing that's so interesting about it, and it's important that you understand this see, David had made a covenant with Mephibosheth's father named Jonathan. The covenant that he made with his father, Jonathan, was no matter what happened, he would take care of him. He would show him kindness. He would provide for him. He would restore him. And in this moment, David is saying to Mephibosheth, I'm not here to judge you, I'm here to save you. I'm here to show you kindness. I wanna uplift you, Mephibosheth. I made a covenant with your father. I wanna show you grace. Grace is kindness, but not only is grace kindness, Grace is restoration. Grace, grace is restoration. He says this in verse seven, not only am I gonna show you kindness, but I want to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Then the king summoned, I'm looking at verse 9 and 11. It says, then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Verse 10, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson, Mephibosheth, may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, the grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Verse 11, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I want you to get what's happening in this moment. Because by right, now that David is the king over Israel, all of the stuff, all of the possessions, all the estate, all of the wealth that belonged to King Saul belongs rightfully to King David. And King David, he's showing kindness to Mephibosheth. Saying, I'm not going to keep this from you. I want to still give this to you. Not only that, this is an act of restoration. It's not just an act of kindness. Because how many of you know in Lodabar, Mephibosheth had nothing. He had no possessions. He had no money, no food. He had nothing. He said, I'm not going to leave you out there like a dead dog. I want to restore your identity. I want to bless you, Mephibosheth. I want to give you everything you don't deserve. I'm restoring you, Mephibosheth. I'm giving you a new hope and a new identity. I think when we hear this story, some of you today, not only do you feel like you've been dropped, not only do you feel like you're in the midst of the pastureless place, not only do you feel like you're in the midst of Lodabar, some of you today, you've been crying out to God asking him for a new identity. You've been crying out to God asking him to restore you. You've been crying out to God asking him to restore your hope, to give you peace that you once had. Some of you wanted to be restored tonight. And the good news is this, you may feel like you're at the end of the road. You may lost all hope in your life. Something happened to you, somebody dropped you, somebody wronged you, somebody shamed you. You're at the end of the road, you have no money left in your bank account, you're going from place to place, couch to couch. You feel like you're trapped in Lodabar. Just feel this in my heart tonight. Some of you today, you're stepping into a new identity. You're stepping out of Lodabar. You're stepping into Bethlehem, the house of bread. And the good news is everything the enemy meant for evil. God says, baby, I'm taking it back. I'm restoring your soul. I'm giving you kindness today. I'm showing you grace today. I'm giving you hope today. I'm restoring your soul everything the enemy took back. No, friend, everything the enemy stole, God has taken it back. And today you can walk in freedom. He's restoring your soul. You don't have to stay trapped in Lodabar. There's freedom tonight. There's healing tonight. There's hope tonight. Grace is restoration. But how many of you know, grace is not only kindness, grace is not only restoration, grace is being given a seat at the table. You see, the the table the king is speaking about in this moment, it's it's a picture of family. He's inviting Mephibosheth, he's saying, I wanna show you kindness, I wanna restore you, but I wanna give you a seat at the table. The story ends in verse 11, saying, "Then Ziba said to the king, your servant, will do whatever you command me to do. So from that moment forward, Mephibosheth, he ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. How many of you know, when you're a child, I remember when I was a kid, whenever I would sit at the table, me and my dad, we would have some of the greatest conversations. There was communication at the table. There was provision for me at the table. At the end of the day, despite what my day looked like, I could find peace at the table. I could talk to my dad, I could find happiness at the table. I could find healing at the table. My dad would cast vision to our family at the table. At the table, no matter what I did at school, no matter what I did wrong, there was grace at the table. This was the king's invitation to Mephibosheth. I wanna, I wanna give you a seat at the table, Mephibosheth. I want to seat you at the table, but not only that, I want you to get this picture, because if I'm a Mephibosheth, now I can't walk, my whole life I've been lame, my whole life my legs have been paralyzed, this is my condition, I can't get out of Lodabar, I need somebody to carry me out of Lodabar, my legs don't work, I've been this way my whole life, I can't move forward, now you're calling me to the table, King? I can't get to the table. I need somebody to carry me to the table. I want you to get this picture tonight. I don't want you to miss this because if my legs are lame and I can't walk out of Lodabar, I need somebody to carry me out of Lodabar. I can't get to the table on my own. I need somebody to carry me to the table. But how many of you realize if you put that picture on the screen, when you're seated at the table, you can't see my shame. All you see is from the waist up. I can't focus on my condition. I can't focus on my infirmity. I can't focus on what happened to me. I can't focus on the past. I'm focused on the future. I'm not focused on my condition. I'm focused on who God says I am. I can't focus on that person who wronged me. No, I focus on the father who uplifts me. I don't focus on my disgrace. I focus on his grace. I'm not stuck on what happened in the past. I know my God holds something greater in my future. I'm not focused on my condition. I'm not focused on the hurt. I'm not focused on the pain. So, tonight, here's what I want us to do I want us all to stand to our feet. I don't know what's keeping you trapped in Lodobar. I don't know what's holding you back tonight. I don't know who hurt you. I don't know who wronged you. I don't know what type of baggage. I don't know what type of guilt. I don't know what type of wounds that you're carrying. I don't know what they did to you. But tonight, I'm believing tonight is the night that you walk in freedom. Tonight is the night that you walk in victory. Tonight is the night that you find healing. Tonight is the night that you find hope. All across the room, here's what I want us to do. I just simply want us to close our eyes. I want you to visualize that thing that's keeping you trapped in Lodabar tonight. I want you to visualize that thing that has kept you stuck. I want you to think about that thing that wounded you in your childhood. I want you to think about that person that hurt you, that dropped you, that lied to you, that backstabbed you. Think about that person that violated you. Maybe they touched you. Maybe they cursed you. Maybe they walked out on you. Maybe they told you you were worthless. Maybe they told you you would never amount to anything in this life. I want you to think about that thing that has kept you trapped in Lodabar. Tonight, I want you to start believing in faith. I'm breaking free of Lodabar. I'm breaking free of the shame. I'm breaking free of the pain. I'm letting go of the hurt. I'm letting go of the wounds. I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of that person. I'm letting go of the thing that wounded me. Tonight, tonight, he's restoring you. He's restoring your confidence. Tonight, he's restoring your character. Tonight, he's restoring your finances. Tonight, he's restoring your health. Tonight, he's restoring your heart. Tonight, he's restoring your mind. Tonight, he's restoring your confidence. He's restoring your influence. He's restoring your reputation. You're not trapped in Lodavar. You're breaking free of Lodavar. Tonight's the night that you break free of Lodavar. Tonight you need to let go of Lodabar. Tonight I'm letting go of the pain. Tonight I'm letting go of the hurt. Tonight I'm letting go of the shame. Tonight I'm letting go of the wound. Tonight, I'm letting go of Lodabar.